So this is going to be more of a sermonette, amen? We have uh, the, more of the bulk of what we were talking about was last, last part of the service. But um, this is, the, the, I guess you'd say the first one was more a sobering message. And hopefully this one is going to be inspiring as well. But in a, in a bigger way, in a little bit more of a kind of catching a dream for engaging your heart with Jesus. Amen? I love that picture. Engage your heart, right? Um, so let's turn to Matthew 13. And um, Ezra, you have the clicker, bro? Oh, look at that. No, no, I think I, think, I, think I have the clicker here. So engage your heart. That's what the message today, the little sermonette is. Matthew 13, and uh, we'll read this passage in verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. <clears throat> I'm going to get there. Baba reads, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then his joy, that crazy guy went and sold everything he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Amen? What's this passage talking about? Well, it's talking about two people, two separate people, who... Find something of great value. Amen? And they just, in their joy, go and purchase that or take that land or take that pearl and, and buy it for all they have. And they feel like they have the better end of the deal. Amen? That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. What's the kingdom of heaven worth? Everything. The kingdom of heaven is worth everything. And it's worth more than you have. All your possessions, all the things that you care about, they pale in comparison to the treasure of the heavenly kingdom. Amen? To, to the kingdom of God on earth. You know, once there was a, te- a, a Texas man who went to a rock show. Now, I don't know many people that go to rock shows, but this guy did. And purchased a blue rock for $10. Amen? Just like, I'll take that rock for $10. He recognized it, though, as the deep blue sapphire. He went home, cleaned the rock, and sold it for $5 million. The original owner didn't recognize the value of what he had in his hands. His wildest dreams were right in front of him. And he sold it for a mere 10 bucks. That's one of those stories that makes you think, doesn't it? Especially with this passage. That the kingdom of heaven is something that's meant to be hidden. What do you mean hidden? It's meant to be hidden in your heart. It's meant to not be taken away again. Amen? Many of us who made Jesus Lord, we sold everything we had for the kingdom, right? I mean, we have a saying. 
right? Give up everything. Do anything, go anywhere, give up everything for the sake of Jesus Christ. That expression is because how valuable the kingdom of heaven is like. You know, what's it worth for you to go to heaven? To live eternally. To not face death in your life. That's worth everything. You know, we played Dust in the Wind. That song in Ecclesiastes. And and this is very much in line with Ecclesiastes. I love that song, Dust in the Wind. You know, I love singing it. But one of the things that he says, the last verse is, you know, no time, not 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 a bit of your time can be bought by money. That's basically what he says in the last verse. And it's powerful to think that the kingdom of heaven gives us eternal time. How much valuable is that for a second? To know the living God, to see God's face. You know what? One glimpse of God's face is worth more to me than anything else in the whole world. If God says you need to be homeless, lose your family, lose everything you have, but you will definitely see my face, I would say sign me up. Sign me up. What about your kids? I love my kids. But the face of God is amazing. What about your wife? I love my wife. But the face of God, church, is worth everything to me. I want to see God's face. And that's what the kingdom of heaven gives me. Amen? It's a treasure hidden in a field. You know, I want to talk about how the world doesn't recognize the value of the kingdom. And we can't forget the value of the kingdom. Amen? We can't forget the value of the kingdom. You know, uh, engage, this word engage, I want to talk about it. I thought, what does this word engage mean? I looked it up. And then the Holy Spirit started really convicting me. He says, to offer something such as one's life or word as backing to a cause or an aim. That's a pretty good word. Engage. I just said examine and engage your heart. To be honest, I think that was God directing me. The Holy Spirit directed me into that word, engage. Now you go, okay, he's, you, know, you can say everything's the Holy Spirit. Look at this next one. To expose to risk for the attachment or support of some end, engaged his all in the king's cause. Interesting. To engage means to risk, church. Do you know that? It means to risk something. You can't engage in a, in a battle, amen, <laughs> without risking what? Your life. You can't emba- engage in a cause without some risk. You know, people who were doing the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King, they were risking things, weren't they, with this cause. They felt like it was enough to risk it all, to go to jail, to get beaten, to stand up against racism in this country, right? This cause is greater, church. This cause is against death and sin and the devil. It gives us eternal life. It gives us life to the full. It is a cause, but it's going to take risk. And I want to ask you, are you willing to risk it all for the kingdom? That's a challenging question, isn't it? Play it safe, Glenn. You know, no, no, don't risk it all. But you have to risk it all. What's it say here? The guy had to give everything he had. He had to give everything he had or else he wasn't going to get the treasure. Now, if I found $10 million in a field, guess what I would be at the closing of that, you know, by, you know, bought of land. Imagine the closing of that situation right there. 
So you're giving us everything for the field? Yes. Are you sure you want to do this? And then, you know, the other guy's like, I'm taking this guy for all he has. And the other guy's like, I'm taking this guy for all he has. And they're both happy at the closing. You know, that doesn't usually happen. Both people are happy at the closing. In fact, they don't let you see the person that you're selling usually uh, to or buying from because they, you know, they don't want any weirdness in, in the, cl- the deal closing, right? So usually just with a real estate agent. But in this situation, he's like giddy. He's like, yeah, let's, can we sign tomorrow? No, let's sign. Okay, we'll sign tomorrow. Why are you in such a hurry? I just am in a hurry. Let's sign this thing. I'm giving you all I have. But of course it was risky. Of course it was risky. I remember when I found the kingdom of God as an 18-year-old kid. The kingdom. I found the kingdom. I found salvation. In three weeks, I studied the Bible and got baptized. And I was a total mess. I was a hot mess. I was... Not just a mess, I was also a hot mess, meaning, you know, really going through a lot of things. You know, I was still, my friends were pretty worldly. I was still really struggling with different things, but I was trying to be righteous. And in many ways, I made a lot of good decisions, but I also had to grow a lot. But one thing I did was I was joyful about the kingdom. And I remember there was a football scrimmage with some brothers, and you know, the whole ministry was there, all the brothers were there, and it was a flag football game or a touch football game. And the guy who studied the Bible with me, he's a little uncoordinated. He's super fast, but he's super uncoordinated. And so he's running at me, full, full, full clip. And I got the ball and I'm juking people. And I basically kind of juke like this, and he just comes out of nowhere and just Ronnie lots me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I just go flying outside the, the door. You know, this is touch football, by the way. <laughs> And I'm on the ground, and, and Olu, the guy who said the Bible, he's like, oh, I am so sorry, Glenn. And then he gets up, and the minister comes up to me, because I, I just became a disciple, and he's like, uh-oh, this guy's going to have an attitude, you know? And I was bigger than him as well, you know, so it was like, he didn't want anything. So he gets, he's like, are you okay? Man, I need to rebuke that brother. I can't believe he did that. He's a little crazy, you know? He was all mad, and I was like, no, don't even talk to him. And he's like, Why? He shouldn't have done that. We talked about this in the rules before. And I said, that guy studied the Bible with me. He helped me become a Christian. He can smash into me anytime he wants. (laughs) You know, and I remember saying that. And it just came out of my heart. I was so grateful for him. I literally would say, like... Beat me. I don't care. I'm so happy that I found the kingdom. I'm so happy that you opened your mouth. I'm so happy that you shared the gospel with me. You take away all my rights. I still win. You know, and that Sunday, I, was, I, I forgot I said that. And then he preached that on Sunday about how I got, you know, smacked into someone. He, he shared that. And I didn't even, didn't even think it was that great. I was like, what? Why did he share that? You know, that's where I was at. I just was like, grateful. For the kingdom. You know, even a cheap shot from another brother is okay. Because I have the kingdom. Amen? You know, how do we feel about the kingdom? There's an expression that I hate. Familiarity breeds contempt. Oh, I hate that. I hate it because of two things. It's true. Don't you hate expressions that are true that you don't like? That one's true. Familiarity breeds contempt. Oh, I hate that. And so what I must do, if I'm going to treasure the kingdom, 
What happens after a while is you start getting contempt. Yeah, this treasure I found, it's great and all, but you know, we could be doing things a lot better. And I see a lot of things in the kingdom that aren't so good. And we can start feeling like, I'm used to this. I mean, three songs up front, I'm used to this. Guess what? The kingdom of God is not just church on Sunday. You know that, right? It's the whole package, baby. And guess what? You haven't even seen half of the kingdom of God yet. The kingdom in heaven is what he's talking about too. You know? And I want to encourage you to not let familiarly breeding intent. The way you do that is by engaging your heart in the kingdom. By taking risk in the kingdom. You go, okay, that's kind of scary. Yes, it is scary. It's really scary. But guess what? It's awesome. And you will love and appreciate the kingdom more if you take risks. Maybe it's, I'm going to study the Bible. I don't know a lot of things, but I know one thing. I want to live forever, so I'm going to start studying the Bible. Maybe that's the risk you need to take. You've been around church a little bit, and you've seen a lot of things, but you're scared to study the Bible for some reason. I'm not scared. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're scared. Take a risk then. What's the worst that can happen? You read some pages in a book. What's the worst that can happen? You're not going to turn into a frog. Read the Bible. Figure it out. See if this treasure is worth everything, right? Then it says, another thing I want to encourage you to do is engage your heart in a way that you've never done before. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Well, that's a pretty intense sermon. Engage your heart in ways you've never done before. Did you hear what I said? Yes. In your whole Christian life, there's not going to be a time when you're more engaged now. Shouldn't that be the case, church? You know, I love that song, Rise Up, O Men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of Kings. Amen? Rise up, O men of God and women. Amen? The church for you doth wait. Send forth to serve the needs of men. And our strength is great. That's not how our version goes, but I like it too. Engage in your relationship with God. I want to encourage you to engage. Let's read this short passage, and I'm going to have a very quick challenge for you here that I think is going to be a little bit scary, but fun too. 14, verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into a boat, go ahead of them to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. I love this. What Jesus says next. Jesus said, Come. Come. I was doing a family group with uh, my family group, and, and, and uh, Sebastian did a great job leading it. He was leading a, a part in the Bible in Ecclesiastes 12 that says, The whole duty of man is to fear God and obey his commands. And we talked about 
as brothers, and I think the sisters did too, our obedience to Christ. And it was a great conversation. We had some good talks, you know. Um, and, and Brother Phil said something to me that I can't get out of my mind. You know, Phil, man. Love Phil. His faith, I love, I love Phil. I think Phil is a good egg. I think Phil is one of these guys that has, he's super talented, but he's super humble. And I love that about him. But he said something that just, just was like, whoa. He said, what's it going to mean for me in my relationship with God to walk on water? And I was like, oh, snap. That's what I need to go after. Walking on water in my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Not just surviving. You know, forget just surviving spiritually. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. I just want to say that we can't expect to make it to the end always walking on water. Even Peter sank, amen? But I want to encourage you, what's that going to mean for you? What's it going to mean for you to walk on water in your relationship with God? I want you to think about that. I want it to be talked about at family group. I want you to talk about that in family group. I'm going to say it one more time. I want you to talk about that at family group. What's it going to mean for you to walk on water? Goodness gracious, if we're all walking on water in this church, how cool would that be? What does that even mean, you might ask? Well, I think it means seeing God in a way that you've never seen him before. And I'm not just trying to say, oh, let's get hyped up. I'm saying, like, you really feel like you're walking on water. You know, I think about, I'm going to be crying in my quiet times. I'm going to be totally crying in my, I cry. You don't have to be a crier to walk on water. But I know what I'm doing well. I cry. That's just how I do. Give out the shout out to my sister Kendra. You know, <laughs> you know it, it's, it's, we're criers. But you know what? I love it. Yesterday I was crying. I was listening to rad, the Radicals. I was listening to the Radicals. And that's, a, that's a, just a, a band that used to be in the Boston time. And I'm listening to them. And I'm just crying, man. I'm listening to Waymaker. And I'm crying. And I'm having time with God. And I wrote down exactly what it means for me to walk on water. And I want to share it with you right now. To not feel failure in my life because I know Jesus is going to catch me. To not live life by fear. A love that overflows with generosity. That I share the gospel boldly and joyfully. You know, um, that I'm involved in helping many be saved. And I say that because I'm not giving my best to Jesus right now. You know, I told people, I'm going to be preaching to myself. And, you know, you might say, who can give their best to Jesus? Well, I, I get that. I understand that no one, you're, not, you're always going to be taking it higher, right? But I want to give my best to Jesus. You know, that I live unapologetically in my hometown and preach the gospel. I'm going to, me, to me, to walk on water means that I'm going to be Making a lot of people in my town feel uncomfortable. 
That means doing it with love and respect, but saying, hey, listen, you said you wanted to study the Bible with me, but you keep on canceling. Why is that? Do you not want to do this? Direct conversations with a lot of my friends in the town. I have a lot of friends that have come out to a lot of different things, but they're, they're in the thorns and just sharing my faith. My family, talking to them directly. My grandmother's coming into town. Mi abuela is coming into town. She's 89 years old. I'm going to say, Grandma, I need you to stop being lazy spiritually and start studying the Bible and get baptized. I got to figure out what the word lazy is in Spanish. Anyone can help me? What is it, bro? Lazy. What? Pereza. Perezoso. There it is. Stop being perezoso, Grandma. Let's get it, right? What's it mean for you? And I don't want you to set this high precedent. For me, I, I know what it means. I, I'm starting to figure out, you know, what does it mean? It means I'm going to be more persecuted in my town. I'm going to get looks. But I'll be walking on water. You know, everyone looks weird at someone who walks on water. <laughs> they might think I'm a ghost. As they thought Jesus was. But I want to walk on water. I want to be bold. A risk taker. Be full of peace. Every day I want to feel like I am speaking to God within the burning bush. Every day I want to hear the whisper. You know, I love that song lyric. In the rustling grass I hear him pass. Did I see God today? I want to live my relationship with God like I'm walking on water. The truth is I'm going to sink. And I'm going to not always be walking on water. But I'm going to get out of the boat. I had a preteen lesson where I preached this message. And many of you guys know this. But I wore like clothes like this in my lesson. And I said, I'm going to go walk on water right now. I'm going to go try to do it. I believe God, if he wants me to walk on water, we'll do it. And I went down to the dock. And everyone saw. It's like a big oversight. And I stepped out on to the, the dock in, in these kind of clothes. It was a great memory for the preteens. And I just took a step. I prayed and I took a step. I said, God, I might not be humble enough to walk on water, but I know you can do it. What if just for a moment you let me do it? I promise I won't tell anyone except these preteens. <laughs> And God probably thought to himself, no, you won't. (laughs) And so I fell right into the water, of course. Amen. But for a moment, I thought, what if this happens? I really thought, what if this happens? Who's tried this in the world? I mean, who's tried this in the world? You know, and and to this day, people still talk about that. And what I love about it, they saw me sink down in the water. But you know what? I was walking on water in that moment. Because I trusted God. Amen. You know, fruitfulness is going to be coming out of me. Not just helping people become Christians, but change. You know, two news resolutions I don't want to make anymore. I want to pray more. Don't want to make that resolution anymore. I want to say I'm praying enough. I want to grow in my, grow in my prayer life. That's always going to be something I want to do. But I'm not going to feel like... I, want, I prayed it out, man. I, I've prayed. I want to feel that. Every, every day of my life is a prayer, Right? Every action I take is a prayer. I pray continually. I don't need to make that resolution again in 2020. Yeah. You ever get sick of making the same resolutions? Oh my goodness. You look at my past one. There's two ones. Prayer and my weight. Just keeping it real. I'm sick of those resolutions. 
No more will I make those resolutions. You know why? Because it's been resolved in my life. Not yet, amen. But it's going to be. Ask me on 2020, what's your new resolution? And it's not going to be because I'm just not going to set it, you know, and just feel prideful. I'm just going to stay this way. I don't care. No, I'm going to grow in my character because I'm going to walk on water. Because when you walk on water, you change. You know, church, write it down. What does it mean for you? What a study in the Bible, amen? What a study for you to do. That's my longest point. Let's go to John 13. What's it mean for you to walk on water? Engage your relationship with God. That's what I want you to be doing. Walking on the water toward Jesus. That's the thing that was amazing. When you walk on water, you're walking toward Jesus. Meaning you're becoming more like him. John 13, 34. Engage with one another. Right? Great passage here. John 13, 34. It says, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You can't love someone without initiating. Did you realize that? Jesus loved us first. And what did he do? He came down, right? And died for us. Not that we loved him, but he loved us, right? First, right? And that's why we love him, because he initiated. Love is an initiation. You know, how do we do this? We have to initiate with each other. There are two scriptures that I want you to write down. The first one is Hebrews 3, verse 12 through 13. Hebrews 3, verse 12 through 13. It says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart, turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sinful deceitfulness. I have one simple challenge in this point. Every day I want you to encourage a disciple. That's it. If it's a text message, awesome. If it's, if it's a, a call, if it's a, being in the family group. I, mean, I know I got family group today. Boom. I'm going to encourage a disciple. Every day. It says daily. That's, that's what they, it says in the Bible. Daily. Love one another as I have loved you. Does Jesus love us daily? Oh, my goodness. Please. That was a dumb question. But I, I'm making a point here. Yes. You know, another passage is Hebrews 10. It says, let us hold unswervingly. To the hope they profess. Now, when I'm driving sometimes, you know, poor Josh sometimes is in the car and he's not feeling all that safe sometimes. I try to be safe. But um, sometimes he's just he's a little scared. You know, people are a little more skittish in the cars and I usually drive perfectly. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I'm driving and, and, <clears throat> and sometimes he'll be like, you're swerving all over the place. And I'm like... Dude, you don't even drive. I'll start getting private with him. Why don't you be quiet? You know what I mean? I was trying to get out of the way. And at one point, <clears throat> we, were driving real, we were driving in the dark, and there was a buck, a deer buck, right there. Right on Joshua's side, the passenger side, in the street. And we're, and we're driving, and it's time to swerve, amen? So I, I think it was God. I think you know, Jesus did take the wheel, amen? And he was like, I don't know what it was. I was talking to him, and then I'm like, Whoa, like that. And I just move out of the way and go like that. And Josh is like, that was amazing. How did you do that? You know? How did you do that? Unswervingly. Amen? In this situation, 
I am, I want to keep on going forward in my relationship with God. I don't want to swerve over here to sin and go over here. But that's what happens to us if we're not careful. You know, when you go to the beach and you put your towel down and then you go in the waves, what always happens? Evan knows this. He's in the beach a lot. So does Rob. You know, you drift. The waves take you. That's what the world does to us. But we always have that towel to look back and we need a compass and we need to realize we don't even know we're drifting. I'm looking, where's my family? That's what I ask. Where's my family? Oh, they're way over there. Wow. How far I got from my family. That's what can happen to us, church, if we don't come to things. If we're not consistently going and encouraging each other, we can be over here. Way over here. And we don't want to be over here. And there's currents sometimes that take you, you know, places you don't want to go. And the farther you go from the family of God, it says that some of us were not giving up, giving up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing it. But encourage one another as the more as I see the day approaching. I don't know why, but this discourages me and encourages me at the same time as passage. First, they had issues with people coming to church. I don't know why, but that encourages me. Because we have issues with that, amen? I'm like, okay, okay. But the second thing is that this was the Jerusalem church that was flat fired up. They baptized 3,000, 5,000 people. And then what happened? They started drifting. And they started not thinking they need each other. And they started being independent Christians. We have to make it our mission to... You know what? We talked about obedience, right? On, on our, in our family group. It's the whole duty of man to obey God. Do you realize that? Yeah. What's your to-do list? Right on top of it, fear God and obey His commands. I should make a to-do list. It just has that at the top. You know what I mean? It's a good one. Okay, now I can plan my day. Yeah. All right? Did I fear God? Did I obey Him? If we just obey this passage, we're going to make it to heaven and we're going to help other people make it to heaven. Amen. we got to engage with one another. Hey, bro, how are you doing? What's going on? Who knows what I mean when I say discipling? Raise your hand. Discipling. Don't raise it if you don't know what it means. Discipling. <laughs> They're fired up. <laughs> what, I, what I want to say is that, that was kind of Encouraging and also makes me think we need to teach it more. A lot of people know what discipling, but a lot of people don't know even what that word means. And so we're going to spend in the next three weeks, in our midweeks, or next three uh, times we meet together, we're meeting at the end of the month, basically, all together. The next one is um, September uh, the uh, um, 25th, and then we have October 30th, and then November the 27th, where we're going to do a three-part series on discipling. Because we need, to, we need to get back to that. Amen? Amen? When was the last time you felt discipled? Felt like someone was calling you higher to be like Jesus? That's what I mean by that. Discipling. It's a word that we use, but it means basically to teach one another to obey everything. Amen? Amen. And that's where we're going to go next. Let's go to Matthew 28. So engage with one another and engage in the mission. Engage with God. Engage with one another. Engage in the mission. And when I say that, I say risk. I'm using the word risk in engagement. Amen? You know, it's a risky thing to get engaged. Amen? Amen. It's a little risky. But you know what? I love getting engaged. It wasn't a risky. I was fired up. I was just like, wow, you know, you're kind of, now you're, now you're in it. You know what I mean? 
you, you got to marry this dude or this girl, you know. And, and if you don't, it's going to be really awkward, you know. And furthermore, when you get married, it's pretty risky. Amen. And you know what? I, I was willing to take that risk, amen, because I love my wife. But it's risky. It's a commitment, amen. And so let's not think Christianity is not without risk. When did we take risk out of Christianity? We have grace, amen, but we still need to take risks, amen? amen? Because that's how you stay engaged with someone. You know, I've done stuff with my wife to just kind of surprise her, and sometimes she loves it, sometimes she doesn't. One time, I was, she's always cold, so I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll buy four Snuggies for her. You guys know about the Snuggies? The Snuggies, okay? What are Snuggies? The Snuggies are a, basically a blanket that's a robe. And you put your hands through it and it just, just keeps you warm, the whole body. And it's like a blanket. She's always looking for blankets. So I'm like, I'm going to get a blue. I'm going to get a red. And they put me on the whole thing. Do you want a free one? Buy another one. We'll give you four. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so Christmas Day, I'm fired up. I'm like, open that one, honey. Open that one. Yeah, who's the man? You know, risking it, you know. Yeah. She opens it and she goes, what's this? Is this a blanket? Oh my goodness, is this a Snuggie? I'm like, yes, it's for you. And she's like, I'm not wearing that. <laughs> I was like, oh. I'm like, no, try it on. She's like, I'm not going to try it on. Try it on. So she loves me enough, so she tries it on. It's like, she's like, I look like a monk. Like, what is this? You know what I mean? And it, the one I got with her was red. So it looks like she literally is a monk. You know what I mean? You zip it up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that maybe wasn't a good idea. And I risked it all, right, for her, you know. But the truth is, it's a great memory now. Now, when you talk to the campus ministry, we had intern meeting there with all the campus over. Hey, who would like some Snuggies? Everyone's like, I would love the Snuggies. And then I looked at my wife. She's like, see, you're not hip. Okay. But, you know, it takes risk. It takes risk. Amen. Matthew 28. Let's go there. You can ask her about the Snuggies. They're all out of our house. <laughs> Danielle is a minimalist, too. You know that about her. She likes to not have clutter. She frequently asks me, hey, what can you get rid of in your closet? <laughs> take away five things. Just take away. Let's have some fun. I'm like, no, no, no. I wear that sweater all the time. Matthew 28, verse 18. Actually, verse 16. This is encouraging. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That is a crazy expression. How do you worship and doubt? Yes, you can. You can. These guys did. We all doubt. We all have our fears. We all doubt, right? And you would think Jesus would say, well, we got to get that doubt out before I challenge you. But he doesn't. He actually calls them to something so amazing, right? What's he say? When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, Jesus said to them, okay, well, let's have a retreat about apologetics and we'll really get the doubt out of your life. Before I give you this challenge, I want to make sure you're spiritually ready for it. No. Jesus said, guess what? You'll figure out your doubts while you're helping other people become disciples. And he says in verse 18, All authority in heaven has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Great Commission, right? Are you engaged in the mission? Are you taking risks? You got your person at work. Hey, Johnny, how you doing? You ever think about God? What? God? Yeah, I, I think about God. Well, what's your background? You know, you just start talking to people. I remember Steve Schnell. He's an evangelist now. He was sharing his faith with me first time, and it was awkward. Amen? He goes up to this guy. He goes, are you religious? And the guy was like, no. He's like, well, you should be. <laughs> and the guy was like, no, I shouldn't. He goes, yes, you should. And they went back and forth for a little bit. And I was like, Steve, that maybe, maybe next time we don't say that. We don't lead with that. You know what I mean? Now he's doing well with it, right? He's obviously really good at it. We all need to take risks. I used to sweat so bad when I shared my faith. I used to get, when I get nervous, I sweat. And so they would be like, I'd like to come. I'm like, oh, great, great. Let me get your number. And I would sweat on their hands. Wow. It happened at school dances, too. It was the worst. You know, the girls would be like, would you like to dance? I'm like, I want to, but you're not going to want to. And they'd just be like, eh. on their shoulder. You know, I sweat when I get nervous. So that's what happens. I sweat sometimes, and I'm sweating, and the person goes, oh, why are you sweating so much? And I'm like, well, let's, like, can I just get your number and get out of here? So I was like, and... They became a Christian, amen? Even though I sweat on them. I sweated for the kingdom, right? But again, this passage is not just for the apostles, church. This passage is not just for the apostles. This passage is for every disciple. I've talked to people about this, and it annoys me. When they're like, well, this is just for the apostles. Well, I guess we're done evangelizing the world then. Let's go home. What? Then I show them this passage. Go to Acts 8. And this passage kind of puts to bed that theology. In verse 4. It was right after the persecution, right, of Saul. And it's really cool what the Bible says. Actually, let's start in verse 1. On that day, a great... Persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. All the apostles stayed within the city, which I think is super courageous. Like, wow. They were like, we're ready to die, but we're going to keep preaching in the city. But then you guys go. Go out, scatter, because we need the church to still live if we die. That's pretty radical, right? But then what does it say? Verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So what was their conviction about Matthew 28? It wasn't just for the apostles. It was for us. Amen? And so that's what encouraged me. And I want to encourage you. What if you just obeyed this passage? I don't know. I like keeping things simple. Just obey this passage. I'm going to preach the word wherever I go. 
Wherever I go, go to the supermarket, I preach the word. If I go to the doctors, I preach, my, preach the word. If I go to the courts, I preach the word. I share my faith. I invite someone to a church. I talk about my relationship with God. I'm going to talk about my relationship with God a lot because it's wonderful and it's awesome. And these guys weren't even commanded to. They just had the conviction to. Amen? Amen. It's inspiring to see our young disciples, the, young, the younger disciples, um, and, and how they preach the word wherever they go. Oh, isn't he cute? He's preaching the word everywhere he goes. He's so excited about Jesus. I remember when I was like that. Oh, I start, you know, yagging a little bit in my heart, you know. Why is the young disciple sharing their faith more than I am? Come on. You know, engage your heart in the mission. I have Trevor Hallberg. He's keeping track of something, which I think is going to be cool. He's going to, he loves stat sheets. I mean, he loves, he loves Excel sheets. And I heard this in a church that every person in a year will at least be in a study. Amen? And so that's the thing that I asked him to do. Could you kind of figure that out, how to keep track of that? Every person be in a study. And you think, oh, that's easy. We can all be in a study, right? It's not as easy as you think. And, and that's something that when you're in a Bible study, it's so encouraging for your heart and mind. Amen. And so I want to encourage you to do that. We're also going to come out with Bible study pamphlets to give to everyone. Where someone comes to church, there's going to be Bibles in the back. And there, we have a study series kind of that we're forming for the Casco Bay Church, which will be awesome. New ones that I think will be helpful for Maine. Amen. Amen. And we're also going to have follow-up studies for those that become Christians. Amen. Amen. And what you're going to do is, hey, you're going to give this to your friend and say, hey, would you like to go through this little booklet and study the Bible with me? And they're going to have it. So you don't have to take notes anymore. Amen. Amen. And you can read the scriptures with them. We're, we want to give you the tools so that you can make disciples and be engaged in that. Amen? Amen. I know it's been a little bit of a longer Sunday. And I hope that it's been helpful for you. Amen. I think that each of you means so much to God. And if you ask Jesus Christ, was it worth it to die on the cross if just bread became a disciple. What do you think he'd say? Absolutely. And what if he said, is it worth it if just AJ became a disciple? He would say, absolutely, it'd be worth it. And you know what even is most sobering and inspiring about God's love? What if Glenn just got the chance to make it? Would it have been worth it? And Jesus would say, absolutely. That's how much God loves us. There's a song that's called, It Will Be Worth It All. Sometimes the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away, all tears forever in God's eternal day. It will be all worth it when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow, sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ's face. Amen.